0: I'm your host, Weemsin Labidin, and you are listening to TechTag Podcast. Today, our guest is Ayub Fakir. He is a data engineer freelancer and part-time university teacher specialized on distributed systems. Let's meet Ayub and learn more about his journey hello Ayub. welcome to tech
1: thank you thank you for having me
0: i'm curious to hear some fun facts about yourself
1: (laughs) can i say my my mother is a musician she uh, plays violin Mm -hmm. and she always wanted me to uh, become an artist in some way and so she was forcing me know, to i go to music lessons and try to become a nice violin player but you know at some point when i turned 18 i just figured out that this wasn't something for me and so you know started doing everything it related which you know uh, became and is still my 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 passion Uh, but now the fun fact is that i regret and i'm planning to uh, buy a nice violin again and try to get back to it because you know uh, mothers are are always right, and she was right. I didn't know it, so <laughs> let's see how this goes.
0: Nice. And how did you uh, get passionate about uh, programming?
1: Well, I was when I was in um, in uh, at the end of mid school and uh, the beginning of uh, high school. I was playing a game called Dofus. It is a an MMORPG where you know. You know you play with people you have a character and then you uh, up levels and then you have uh, you know a whole life in the game mm-hmm. and so my dream was to become uh, a game developer at some point and i wanted to work uh, for this company because you know for i think for four years my life was uh, going around this game and i loved everything it related for example Uh, sometimes they had problems in their servers and then I tried to uh, learn more about why they have problems in their servers. You know, I think this was one of the triggering points um, of my passion about IT, but I think it it, it started way before because I remember I was, I think, uh, seven or eight years old and my mother bought me a computer. Uh, I remember it was a 1 or 2 and she bought it for me and my uncle which is her uh, youngest brother and um at some point we he, uh, he he was he was preparing his phd in literature and um she bought it for me so I can be able to use a computer and for him so so he can uh write his phd and so um at some point when we got the computer we turned it on and he wanted to uh, start Microsoft Word. And the problem is that we clicked once uh, at the icon and then we waited for hours. And we thought, well, this thing is not working because we clicked on this icon and it doesn't open up. And so <laughs> and so we went to see a neighbor of ours who, who was you know, known to be a good IT guy uh, back then. And then he came to our house and then he double-clicked on this icon and it worked. And it was magic. He <laughs> <I> said, <"Whoa." laughs> And it was, it was crazy. And, you know, I said that the game was the triggering point, but I'm not sure anymore because I think the contact with uh, computers, with the machines and with this abstraction that we have as IT people just made sense to me at some point. And um, I think that's who I am or who I became.
0: It's mostly, you like it, the way how thinking about solving problems and this uh, leads to algorithm and programming. Maybe this is related. Yeah,
1: well, uh, my reflection about this, you know, changed along the way. And now uh, the way I see it is that programming teaches us a lot of things. Among them humility, among them being able to, uh, you know, not give up in front of problems, in front of issues, because, you know, when you are programming or doing something IT related, you have more problems time than uh, success time, you know? And so you spend a lot of time not knowing what you are doing. And then at some point it works and sometimes you know what you did and and sometimes you don't, you don't know what you did. And so this um, way of seeing life as not always being right and the thing that you know well let me state it this way it teaches you that problems are part of your daily life Mm -hmm. and all you have to do is to deal with them and not avoid them because when you are programming you cannot avoid the problems because otherwise you're not going anywhere and so you face them and you try to solve them and find you know, solutions to the problems that you are facing. And I think it teaches us a lot about life in general, I think. So.
0: Yeah, interesting uh, perspective. And then you choose in, uh, during your educational path uh, to uh, study computer science or how was uh, exactly your uh, educational path?
1: Um, I, I always sucked in school, like literally. Um, I was... Um, Well, I mean, during high school, I was not able to have good grades for some reason. and I think one of the reasons is that uh, it didn't make sense to me, everything that they were teaching us. Uh, For example, like today, I work a lot with math problems and, you know, we know it with functional programming and these kinds of things. You deal with math on a daily basis, but uh, I have always been told that I sucked in math and at some point I thought that it was true that indeed I sucked in math and at some point when I was in front of a math problem my brain used to tell me don't even try you're not going to be able to understand what's going on and at some point I just stopped trying and you know I had bad grades for my whole high school and this resulted of course in the fact that I couldn't join any proper Uh, engineering school at least in Morocco you know if you don't have a a nice grade in high school you cannot go anywhere pretty much and so um, I got my baccalaureate degree I mean the the high school degree and so the only place I could go was the public university so I went there and I for some reason got accepted in the uh, Uh, mathematics and um, computer science uh, branch and so I started for one year but for uh, two semesters we didn't touch a computer we Mm. only did some abstract math with algebra and stuff that didn't make sense to anyone but you know everyone and everyone was pretending that they was uh, that they were uh, you know learning or understanding something but the thing is that none of our uh, 700 people promotion were understanding anything about what the professors were saying because it was so abstract for people just going out of high school. And so I abandoned after the first semester. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I joined the call center because, you know, I I grew up in a family where I became uh, fluent in French um, at a young age. And so it was easy for me to,
0: yeah. In Morocco, right?
1: Yeah, in Morocco, yeah. I mean, uh, most of my uh, uncles and aunts are uh, liter- French literature, uh, university teachers. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them is English uh, literature uh, teacher. But yeah, most of them are French-speaking people, and so yeah, I I am I learn French uh, at home and at school, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, I joined this call center, and things were going well. I had some money and. Uh, you know, it was nice, but uh, I knew that I could not stay in there long, and so I had this discussion with my mother that there was this um, computer science engineering school, which is private, need mm-hmm. to pay. I think it was 4k euro per year, which was a lot for us mm-hmm. uh, at this point. And so I told her, you know, I'm just going to work in this call center for six months and then um, not go back to the university and try to you know pay at least the first year and and um, I told her let's find a way so I can, so we can pay the, the the remaining of the of the years it was a four years engineering school and then from there it's either you do a, you finish your master's degree in Morocco or you go to France mm-hmm. So we didn't know what to do back then. And she said, well, okay." well, the story in this is that I was raised by my mother alone and she is, I think, the most courageous and she she fears nothing. She fears no one. And she trusted in me, even though, you know, lots of people were saying, you know, given his grades, he's not going to go anywhere. But she just ignored all this noise and she just trusted in me for some reason. I guess because because I'm her son, so uh, she uh, she did.
0: Uh, I think it is important. Uh, like her support was important uh, for you. Like when you will find what is exactly your passion, so she encouraged you to to do whatever you are interested on because she believed that if you will like that, you will be uh, brave on it yeah i
1: mean that's the, the that's the role of a mother i think because you know there is this thing that i uh, that i believe in is that no matter who you are no matter how bad you are no matter how good you are everyone eventually even the people who love you the most uh, you know uh, lovers friends best friends brothers and sisters whatever they will all quit at some point if you have trouble if you have problems if if you're a bad person whatever yeah your mother is the only person that will not let you go for any reason and this is something that empowers me a lot and you know there is this I'm going to tell you a story where um, in the last year of high school uh, she saw my grades and you know uh, in Morocco I, I think in, in France as well and in lots of countries not con- northern countries I think um, people compared their kids a lot oh yeah and so Yeah, and this is annoying. This is annoying because you cannot compare, you know, I mean, people are different and kids are different and you cannot just compare two people. But no, the fact is that it was a lot of comparison. And she was seeing that her friends were very happy about their kids, good grades, preparing their Applications for big schools and stuff, and I wasn't part of those because I sucked in my grades and stuff. And so, at some point, she decided to go to see my math professor in high school. Mm -hmm. And so, she went to talk to him and she said, You know, well, uh, what do you think about my kid? Uh, How far can we go? Just give me your feedback about his performance, let's say. And he was like, He was sorry for her, and he said, Uh, you know ma'am I'm just sorry to to tell you that but he is not smart enough and we have you know I'm I'm not sure he's I mean I'm sure he's not going to med school or to this engineering school which is for which we need to have good grades and stuff and so um, he gave her uh, this advice to put me in the military or put me to become a male nurse or something because he felt that that's the best of my all my capabilities. And the thing is that she looked at him and she said, um, and I, I was next to her, uh, she said, I know my son will become something big. I don't know how, but I know he will. And my only hope is that I really hope that he's not going to suck in his life the way you did. And she just left the professor, you know, standing there with his words, And it was very powerful and it empowers me a lot because she could have had this um, uh, reaction where she would just, you know, cry or tell me that I'm worthless or anything. But she didn't. She just defended me in front of this guy.
0: She's amazing. It's really powerful. It means a lot. I can't imagine how the situation was hard. Like this really uh, empower you. I can imagine that. Oh, Of
1: course, of course, a powerful mother is 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 i mean you know, I thought a lot about this question, you know, given the fact that I grew up without a father, and I think both are important having a father and a mother are very important and both give you you know different perspectives about life and different ways of thinking and they empower you in different ways, but I cannot describe the power of a mother actually it's 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 way too huge for the little vocabulary that they can have so
0: yeah i am now a bit emotional i think i'm grateful that there is no camera okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're you're right it's and it's very valuable to have a mother like your mom yeah um and uh, how did you start your career in the beginning uh did you um Oh my God! Sorry, I cannot be emotional and speak. Go ahead,
1: <laughs> no, no, no problem. Okay, let me answer this. Let me answer this so you can uh, so, so you can you know get a glass okay. of water. Um, so well, yeah, I went to this private engineering school and um, I paid for almost the first year. And for some reason, I don't know if it's God or the universe or something. I have no idea what this what this is, but you know she started getting some contracts well my mother is is a is a a music professor and so she was well she works for the rockin state Mm -hmm. and the salary is so low that you cannot live with that and pay engineering school and stuff and so at some point you know at the end of the first year she got a contract with a private school and she it was paying like three times the salary that she had and It was so amazing. And she's like, yeah, well, now I can pay for your engineering school and then uh, have some money aside. And it was very nice for us. And so second year, it was going well for me. You know, didn't have much great grades, but I I was doing okay. Um, During the third year, I started doing some freelancing job and, you know, financial situation became better and better. And so fourth year... I had, for some reason, good grades, and I um, was accepted in a master's uh, in yeah to finish my master's degree here in France. Mm -hmm. We had this very nice professor uh, that I will never forget. His name is Fabrice Mourla, and he, you know, we had this interview in Morocco back then, and we had such a nice connection that he said, "Well, just come and we'll have a good time," and we did. And so I finished my master's degree. It was a master's degree in distributed systems. And, you know, I learned lots of things about big data and all these things. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that I was, I wanted to do something data related. And um, before joining this master's degree, uh, I was in Morocco. And um, if you want to move from Morocco to France, you need some money for your visa and then mm-hmm. uh, you need money to live in in, in in this country. And the problem is that we didn't have enough money for that. And so one solution for me was to do a an apprenticeship. So it's basically working uh, at a company while studying and, you know, it's, it's, it's made for that. Actually, it's uh, two days uh, in your company and then three days at the university and at some point, you know, you do this for the whole year, and when you do that, you have a pretty decent salary. I think I was paid 1,200 euros for a student. It's a lot, and I was working for Crédit um, Agricole, which is a corporation bank here in France. Mm-hmm. And yeah, well, back to the story of how I started. I started. I I knew that I wanted to do something with data. I was reading a lot of papers about. What is data? What is big data? How we, I mean, what we can do with this and stuff. And I had to put a foot in there somehow. And so when I uh, started applying to these companies to get my apprenticeship, I wasn't accepted anywhere because it's so hard. I mean, even now I see it for a lot of students on LinkedIn, for example, they are struggling as hell to find. Uh, apprenticeships and so I was applying for two months I think I applied 1000 times to a lot of companies didn't get you know sometimes you get answers sometimes you don't get anything but for two months I didn't get anything and I have a cousin who was doing his PhD back then and he told me well I have an idea for you so you can uh, have a better CV I said yeah tell me about it and he said well let's write a a scientific paper together
2: mm-hmm.
1: to just showcase what you know about data, and let's write this together. And I said, yeah, okay. And we wrote this paper i don 't remember exactly the title of this paper, but it was something like how big data can benefit for uh, big companies or something like that and it was It was very really nice we It took three weeks to write it together and it was nice. We published it and uh, at some point, I started um, you know adding it to my applications and it worked. Um, I had three interviews, three of them accepted me pretty quickly and then I Just had a feeling with this manager at Credit and I, I I joined and I think it was it was the, the the beginning of the journey because once you get your foot in there and once you get your first experience, yeah. um, it 's way easier down the road to continue in this path uh, the, the, the The hardest thing is to find the first experience, and then from there, things yeah. go pretty smoothly.
0: It's not easy to find the first job. Now my sister is still in this stage in her life. And like, if you have an advice for her, and I, I'm pretty sure many people are uh, having a hard time uh, on funding their first job.
2: Mm. Yeah,
1: look, um, when you are looking for your first job, people think that the companies are interested in their skills. That's not true people i mean companies when you're young when you're just out of the university they are interested in your motivation in your naiveness like they want you because you are young you are fresh not because of your skills, because you have no experience whatsoever you're not going to add much to the company however they are in some way hiring you because of your or thanks to your um, motivation because you know and when we are 22 years old or 23, we want to change the world. Yeah. And, you know, we have lots of ideas and lots of things. Um, unfortunately, when we turn 40 or 30, we have less and less dreams. There was this guy, he, was, uh, he, he, he said this, this sentence, which is very powerful, I think. I'm, I'm trying to remember it. But he said, the impulse of dream has been slowly taken out of me through the experience of life. And this is very powerful because I, I'm very sad that people, as they grow up, they stop dreaming. As they grow up, they, they stop uh, wanting good things for themselves. And it just drives me crazy because, because that's not the, 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 the way things should go. Yeah. Uh, I'm saying that because as we grow up, we, have, we are afraid of more and more things, right? And so, for example, when you are three years old, you are not afraid of talking in front of the public because we don't know that this is something that you should be afraid of.
2: True.
1: But when you turn 30, you know that this is, oh my God, talking to people, this is so hard. They cannot do that. And the problem with this is that it is a fear that we learn. I mean, let me tell you something. When we uh, are born, we have only two fears that are natural. The fear of falling every baby is afraid of or scared of falling mm-hmm. and the fear of loud sounds that's the only two fears that we have this is biological mm-hmm. other than that every other fear are uh, every other fears of fear are fears that we learn down the road we learn that you should not say no because people will become upset and then we 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 become scared of talking about in front of people because We have been told that they are going to judge us if we are not if we are not good enough and then we are afraid of interviews and then we are afraid of failure which is one of the biggest bullshit fears that we are taught ever because you know failure is such a blessing when you are smart enough to learn from it you know
2: yeah
1: i don't know where i was going with that but let's go back to your sister the Companies hire you because you are young because you are motivated and because you you are just fresh as you are, and you didn't learn as much fears as the older people which have uh, you know more experience than you and so what you should showcase when looking for a new job is not your skills no one cares about your sc- uh, projects in school and no one cares whether you know how to code in python or p h p or whatever they care about how motivated you are and how ready you are to learn what they are going to teach you. That's the only thing they, 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 they are looking for. And I'm saying that because, you know, I happen to be hiring some people, junior people, more senior people and stuff. And, you know, the way I look at a junior people is way different than the way I look at uh, senior people because, you know, senior people, you hire him or her for their technical and capabilities and skills it's not the case for different people so i think the 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 biggest advice is to showcase and show how motivated you are i mean the person in front of you should see it in your eyes and i know it because i teach at university now and i see i can clearly see the difference between a passionate kid and a non-passionate kid and the difference between those is not skills, it's not technical abilities. It's the, the motivation and the, the, the stars in their eyes, I guess. So
0: like It's a good mindset. There are like this uh, positive mindset of some startups and companies. But uh, sometimes you find companies that they ask for someone who has many experience, etc. And people who doesn't have any experience, uh, this will create fear for them new fear mm. that says oh because I like how I would get an experience and no one will will uh, give me that opportunity so uh, I cannot find any job. Yeah. But I think that uh, it's mostly about them. They are looking for something isn't compatible with you but there are some startups and companies who are uh, looking for people who just starting uh, their uh, journey.
1: Yeah. Look, um, when I think that, and it's um, even more important and true, I think today is that people do not join companies. I mean, I have. I mean, I don't care about which company I'm joining. I don't care about that. However, I do care about who my direct manager will be. I do care about who my colleagues will be. And I do care about the feelings that I'm going to have with these people. That's the most important thing. Mm. Other than that, being in company A or B is not relevant whatsoever. No one cares about that. And so, yeah, there are companies that are going to demotivate you and, you know, who are looking for someone junior with 20 years of experience. These are assholes. And (laughs) And my advice is just to avoid these guys because you know they're not going to last long because this is not the right mindset because if you do not invest in your uh, young people in the young generation it's not going to go to to, to be to be to be you know things are not going to work out well for you you know and um, the example that I have in mind now is it's about the Barcelona football club I'm going to talk about how it used to be until I think four or five years ago um, this club was not about the stars that they were playing in the club, but it was about the schools, which are, which were, I think, uh, one of the best in the world. When you see, you know, the young, the 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 oldest generation of the players in Barcelona, you see Messi, you see Iniesta, exactly all these people. They are all from the Barcelona school, and they know them since they were young, and so they knew. 20 or 30 years before that it was the way to go which is trust your young people and make them grow with you Yeah. You know? and it wasn't the case for other clubs like Real Madrid for example they just hire higher stars uh, the PSG for example they just hire higher stars and you know they hope that things are going to work out with them but they are not going to be a great club You know, they are a rich club, but they're not a great club. And so I think it applies to our companies as well. And um, I think my advice to young people is that if you encounter these kinds of situations, it's not about you, it's about them. Have empathy and just know that you are great. And if it doesn't work with this company or if if it doesn't work with the 100 companies that you applied for, you're going to find your way yeah you know just don't quit that's that's that, that, that's the only thing and if you fail an interview because you know i'm sure it's the same thing for you even though we have a little bit of experience we have interviews and we fail them that's 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 life yeah. it's not it's not it's, it's not a problem now when you mm. fail an interview you have two ways to look at it first way is to say that you are worthless and It's how things should be and uh, you're not going to be a successful person anyway and you quit. And the second way to see it is to say that, well, I did not succeed in this interview. It doesn't mean that I'm worthless. It just means that I did not succeed in this interview, period. It's not me. Yeah. I just couldn't be... I mean, it just didn't work. I'm going to still continue working on myself this is crucial but it doesn't mean that i'm crucial and i'm saying that because i was reading a book from a former lakers coach i don't remember who, his name uh, it will come back mm-hmm. but um at the end of each game he i mean the lakers the, uh, they are nba all-stars it's no joke you know these are professional athletes and at the end of each game especially the games that they lose he gathers them and he says how do you feel and obviously they feel bad because they lost the game and he says today you were exposed to what we are i mean today we were exposed to what we are right now so if we lost the game it doesn't mean that we are bad players it just means that this game would was lost period Maybe the other team was better than us. That can happen. Maybe we, we did not follow the strategy as we should have followed it. That happens. Maybe we were not trained enough for this particular game. That can happen. But it doesn't mean that we are losers. It just means that this game was lost, period. Now, what's the good attitude to have when you are in front of these kinds of situations? You continue working on yourself and you focus on the next battle and then you try to win it and if you lose it that's fine you still have another one yeah. and if you lose 100 battles that's fine you have the next one and it's very hard to keep up with this mentality but i think we should always remind ourselves that uh, that we are great that we are not uh, um, worthless and 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 sometimes you know unfortunately the only good words that we might be hearing are the words that we say to ourselves so don't be harsh on yourself of course um, try the best as the, the as best as you can to um, learn to be a better version of yourself, to become better and better technically and stuff. But um, do not say bad words to yourself. Do not say that you are wor- worthless, and do not give up on yourself. You know, there is um, there is this guy that I like. His, uh, his name is Jordan Peterson. He said, um, "Treat yourself as if you are worth something." And this is very powerful because you know when you eat junk food every day you do not treat yourself as you are worth something. when you don't exercise you do not treat yourself as you are worth something. however, when you uh, dress sharp when you go to the gym when you eat healthy, then you treat yourself as you are worth something and this is the most important thing and and once you start treating yourself as you are as if you are worth something then people start treating you with respect because yeah. well, you respect yourself so
0: yeah and uh, the person could be their own enemy if in case if they are harsh to themselves
1: oh yes yes because well this is something that's very uh, important and you see it in almost all the great literature when you read some great authors like proust or jane austen or Maybe Shakespeare, even though I don't know him as much. You see that in their story, there is no good and bad guy. However, you have the good and the bad guy in the same person, in the same soul. And so this is very powerful because, as you said, the enemy is within. Chase it. Just kick it out out, because you should not be your own enemy. You should treat yourself as if you are worth something. So. yeah
0: true and uh, after your first uh, job, uh, how did you progress in your career?
1: Um, I didn't have a career plan per se. I just wanted to um, do some things that I enjoy and you know start mm-hmm. learning new stuff. but I knew that I wanted to do something data related and so yeah after my master's degree after my apprenticeship, I joined uh, a consulting consultancy company here in France and, um, you know, just started doing consulting for, I mean, not consulting, but I was working for, um, clients uh, on a daily basis, you know, building and learning how to build data pipelines and writing code and doing uh, things. And, um, I have never had this mentality of working nine to five. I mean, My goal in the next years is to stop working for money. I really hope I can achieve that. But working to earn a salary, I think, is very dangerous. However, working because you are passionate is healthy. And if you get a salary, thanks to that, then uh, good for you. And this is, I think, how how things should go. And so even though I had to work nine to five, I was trying to contribute to projects, open social video I sucked at it and I still do uh, suck at these things Uh, but you know you try to progress uh, along the way and then then I started you know uh, giving trainings and uh, from there I um, started you know traveling around Europe and uh, try to meet with people uh, attend conferences um, and at some point I started being invited to speak at conferences and um, you know you start to build a network yeah. and uh, and you try to progress along the way and i didn't have a career plan per se but there is something that i'm uh, sure of it's that if you find your passion something that you enjoy doing on a daily basis then good for you and just focus on this passion and everything else is going to come money uh, good opportunities and stuff everything is going to come if you are working on a job which doesn't make you passionate, which um, if you have trouble um, waking up in the morning to go to work, then this is a red flag, a big red flag. And uh, my advice is to keep trying lots of things until you find something that, you know, kicks you out of the bed every morning and, and you know, that you can enjoy on a daily basis and find your way uh, down the road, so. Yeah,
0: that's right. And what do you think about uh, luck versus opportunities?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> I do not believe in luck. Like, not not 1%. There is no luck whatsoever. Um, uh, there is a saying, it's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared. And so maybe... You can be lucky to, uh, you know, be scrolling on Twitter and you see a nice opportunity. This might be luck, but, you know, I'm not sure the, 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 the word is right. However, when you are ready, when you are prepared, then everything comes to you. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: what I mean by that is, you know, maybe if you are um, uh, walking in the street and then you find a big uh, uh, case full of money, well, this is luck good for you but it never happens maybe you participate in money games and you are lucky and you win but this doesn't happen i mean no one that i know knows anyone that won in any money game so you'd better focus on something else because this thing is not going to work and so um I think we should always be prepared. And if you are lucky enough to encounter an opportunity, then take it because you are prepared to take this opportunity. But, you know, just staying on the sidelines and waiting for something to come because God loves you. I don't believe in that. Yeah.
0: And I think uh, the fact of being prepared makes you notice the opportunities because exactly. sometimes the opportunities are already there, but we cannot see them because we are focusing on something else. But then once yes. we think that oh i'm ready to uh f- for something specific thing then we notice oh it's already there for a long time or something
1: yes yeah exactly exactly
0: exactly i agree with with you and i also don't believe in luck, <laughs> and especially after oh. like whenever i do an achievement and someone tells me you are lucky i just get a flashback yeah. of my hard work and then i see what
1: yes 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 i mean you work 20 hours a day and people call you lucky like come on <laughs> this is not luck. like i mean i don't sleep man i mean <laughs> exactly. what, what are you talking about yeah you know when you are partying while you why you are i don't know going to, a, to, to to the bar and good for you have a good time that's not that's none of my business just do your thing and make what uh, i mean uh, and and do what makes you happy but don't ever call it luck because it's not
0: yeah and uh i think you are uh, you mentioned that you are teaching at university did you start this um for long since long time ago or uh, it's recently oh
2: um
1: uh, i teach at the university where i graduated from mm-hmm and so when i got my degree i just had a good contact with professors there and the director and all these things and so um i wanted to go back and i just asked them and they said well of course what do you want to teach and i said well i like data let's do something and so yeah i started uh, teaching well, more, more broadly distributed systems. And this is, this is a blessing because while, you know, preparing your course and stuff, you learned a lot of things that you would not have had the ability to learn uh, on your day job because, you know, most of the time when we are, when we do our daily jobs, you're focused on some specific thing and you don't have this uh, broader picture of what you are building exactly. Yeah. And so you know, teaching helped you a lot. Uh, uh, do that, and so the there's one funny thing is that yeah, well, um, I got my degree, and then I uh, stayed in touch with the, the the professors, and then I spent one year doing my job and stuff and then i started teaching the year after and um uh, my first course i think it was in in october and so i went to this room of professors just you know take some coffee and get my stuff to go to the classroom Mm -hmm. and so there was this professor he looked at me and he said well you're still here i mean i thought you got your degree what, what the fuck are you doing here <laughs> um you know. i said no no, no no sir we're colleagues now i said oh okay well you know <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah it's it's uh, it's uh, it's it's very really nice and the, the the nicest thing here is that when you teach people something and you see something illuminate in their eyes i think this is something that nothing no money no cars no houses can buy for you yeah. it's just priceless so
0: and how did you manage working and uh, teaching uh with the i mean um time management how to do both of these jobs
1: oh i don't sleep do you sleep i don't <laughs> well. no no no, um, no, no joke <laughs> aside i i um well you know uh, it depends. Like uh, for for now, it's way easier for me because I, I have my own company. I'm a freelancer, so I just tell my clients, "Look, I'm not going to be around uh, uh, Friday morning because I'm having something else." And it's way easier for me. um mm-hmm. When I was an employee, it was a little bit difficult. But you know, uh, each time I sign a contract with with an employer, I just say, you know, um, I give 32 hours, let's say, of courses uh, per semester. I'm not willing to give up on that. So let's find something, I mean, some way to arrange that. And most of the time they say, yes, that's not a problem. Just go do your thing. And, um, and yeah, I mean, when you do something that you enjoy, honestly, there is no uh, time management question because it comes naturally. However, Mm -hmm. when you do something that, I mean, when you do things that you don't enjoy, that you are forced to do, then you have to think about time management and opening your calendar and you know organizing things so
0: good point actually i always think about time management (laughs) 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 i should i should look back and think about it again
1: (laughs) Well, you know, the thing is that when people tell me, um, I procrastinate, um, or I'm not motivated, well, this tells something about you, this tells something about what you are doing, because, um, uh, I don't know what you enjoy in life, but let's say you enjoy
2: uh,
1: Zumba. (laughs) Zumba, right, um, You are not going to procrastinate to go to Zumba today at 8 p.m. You enjoy it. You're not not going to give up on this. And if there is something, if someone tells you, yeah, let's go have a drink or have dinner or something, you say, no, I have Zumba. You're not going to procrastinate on that um, because you like it. However, something that you don't like, you're going to procrastinate. Well, you know, I'm going to do it tomorrow or after tomorrow or blah, blah, blah. And, um, and uh, yeah, it does something and we should listen to ourselves, I think, because, yeah. you know, um, the, uh, there's this thing that I know. It's that when I have a job and at some point uh, I'm so into it that I don't listen to myself. And when I find myself uh, struggling to wake up in the morning, then I know that I need to change something. This is something that doesn't, it, it has never failed me each time i find myself for too many days in a row struggling to wake up in the morning then i know that there's something going wrong and that i needed to solve it some way so
0: that makes sense actually okay i i will need some time to talk to myself (laughs) and to figure it out (laughs) and uh, uh now you are a freelancer what pushes you to start a business also by yourself
1: um, because I hate it when someone says no to my vacations. Oh. <laughs> like, I want to go. Yeah, man, come on. Uh, I, I want to take a week off. That's that's it. And, and, you know, end of the story. I'm not waiting for your approval. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you are a freelancer, you have this freedom to say no or yes. And, you know, you take responsibility because if I say uh, I'm taking this week off, it means that I'm not going to get paid for this week and it's fine with me if I chose it.
2: Yeah.
1: And if the client is not happy, then just I'm not going to stop. I mean, I'm going to stop working with you because well, we cannot get along together. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure I was, um, I'm, I'm made to uh, listen to orders and I'm not sure I was made to have an employer per se with all the things that this brings. And so, you know, I, I I I hate orders. I hate the military. I hate the uniforms. The only uniform that I like uh, is the post mail or postman uh, <laughs> uniform. I love it. Other than that, well, you know, don't give me orders. Just let's see how we can work together and have a good time. But that's that's it. So, but but uh, that being said, um, you know, I hear a lot of bullshit of people saying, "Yeah, well, if you're not an entrepreneur, then you're." worthless or your life is not going the way it should be going that's not true that's not true just do whatever makes you happy because I have some friends who you know are employees in different contexts and they are very happy to uh, you know just have a stable job and and maybe they have a passion of of something else and they work for their passion or they just want to have time to spend with their families and stuff that's good for them and that's perfect just do what works for you there is no one size fits all uh, kind of thing because you know you have a lot of motivational speakers and stuff they say yeah well you should be an entrepreneur like no be an entrepreneur if you have the appetite for it and uh, if if it makes sense to you if it doesn't then don't it's just going to make you miserable that's that's that's
0: the whole point especially everyone has their Lifestyle. Sometimes people would like to be more stable, and um, it would be better for them to work for a specific company or like. Yeah, everyone has also their interest oh, and of their course. goals.
2: Yeah, of course.
1: And well, the thing is that if you are an employee, let's say, and you feel that you're not, you know, that you are feeling a little bit. Um, miserable because you're way too much in your comfort zone and stuff then maybe you should start thinking about changing something i don't know what but you should start uh, you know thinking about something that should change in your life however if you're happy the way you are whether you are an entrepreneur whether you are uh, an employee whether you are trading cryptocurrencies all day long whether you are anything if it makes sense to you if it makes you happy that it's the right thing to do if you wake up in the morning motivated ready to solve problems ready to um, progress, then uh, that's the way to go.
2: Yeah,
0: so. that's right. And uh, I see that uh, you are uh, tweeting about Bitcoin. Tell us about that. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: well, um, I discovered Bitcoin, I think it was back in 2015. Um, I have a friend of mine who is a gynecologist, and he he's a geek for some reason and he told me about this thing called bitcoin and he said yeah well i just looked at it very briefly and i told him you know this is geek stuff i'm not interested it's way too geeky for me and he insisted he said well just look at it because it's something that should make sense to you it seems to be great Uh, digital assets and stuff wow and i just abandoned for a few months and then in 2016 i just heard again about this Bitcoin thing and I decided to read the white paper. And given my background back then in distributed systems and stuff, I said, wow, this makes sense. Like, I mean, um, the double spending problem, all these kinds of things, like, it just made sense to me and I started getting deeper and deeper in this. And so, yeah, I still think that Bitcoin is something that everyone should be looking into. I still think that it's the one of the safest not investments but the one of the safest store of value assets that are out there i think people should at least have the curiosity and the the humility to uh, you know just look into it because it's 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 not something that you know people were calling it a bubble, and then a scam, and then uh, criminals' money, and then everything. And all of that is not true. And I think people should start looking into it because it is here to stay. So it's either you join the party now or you stay mm-hmm. behind. So.
0: And uh, like, do people need to read? books about it before they started? Or is it that easy? Because like, for me, I'm interested, but I still like just sometimes I say maybe I will try it, but I have no idea about it. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering, would it be easy for me to learn about it? oh for you
1: for sure for you for sure um i know your abilities. you know you don't have a problem you're not going to have problems with that but the i think you 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 have different people in this space you have people who go there for money Mm -hmm. which is good for them they go there they try to learn how to invest how to trade and you know uh, i'm not um, i'm not a trader i'm not able to make money um uh, on a daily basis looking at charts etc um, however i can tell you the global tendency of where the market is going but this is the investment part of it which is good i mean i have i know some people who do very well in there and good for them and then you have the technical side of this which is very important uh, and very interesting at, at least for me that's how i i got interested in this space which is a very nice application of what uh, distributed systems are and how they should be and one thing that i love is the the amount of innovation and motivation that's in this space which i think is unprecedented um and so to get back to the question i think there's one guy who uh, convinced more than one person to at least look into it a little bit deeper yeah his his name his name is uh, andreas antonopoulos he, I think, he was born in Greece and then he moved to the US. He was auditioned by the Canadian Senate, for example, and he convinced a bunch of uh, old people to at least start looking into this thing called Bitcoin. It was back in 2014, I think. And um, I think the first thing is to listen to his talks and then uh, read his books. He wrote a very nice book called um uh, The Internet of Money,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: where he talks deeply about the, the technical and then the philosophical side and the societal side of, of this Bitcoin thing and so yeah and then you can see you, you, you can watch my TEDx talk about blockchain as well which is a good resource to go so
0: ah, I was about to ask you about uh, your experience doing uh, your uh, uh, TEDx talk tell us how it started
1: Oh, um, I was watching a TED talk and at some point I loved how it was, and so I said, you know, because I have no limits whatsoever, I said, well, you know what? I'm going to apply for some TED talk. And it was, yeah, well, okay. And I started applying for French TED talks. Uh, for some, in some cities, I started sending messages on Twitter and then applying and giving the, the summary of my subject and stuff. And then one TED talk, it was TEDx Orleans they said, yes, we want to to audition you and then see how things go. And they were, you know, they liked my proposal and we had a small chat and they were very happy. And so I was. And so, yeah, we started, um, I mean, They said, "Okay, let's uh, have this audition. uh, We we are not going to ask you to come. Just do it on Skype." And said, "I said, yes, of course." And it was um, programmed for a Saturday at 1 p.m. And so I said, "Well, no problem." Well, the problem then is that it was Ramadan, and Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know it. You just don't wake up because
2: it's it's (laughs) you don't eat it's it's it's
1: very hard. Yeah, and so especially in Europe. And so what? You know uh, I said okay no problem and then it was Friday night as usual during this month you stay late and then uh, you know you eat and then you sleep and stuff yeah. And so at 12 p.m. someone called me and it, w- it woke me up and you know I answered the phone call and uh, which by the way you should never answer a phone call when you are sleeping because you just <laughs> say crap just don't <laughs> just wait and <laughs> call them back because it never works um and so anyway i answered the phone call and then it was 12 uh, 05 and they said you know i still have 55 minutes let's go a little bit back to sleep and i will just wake up 15 minutes before because i don't have to eat or anything just get a shower uh, take a shower and i will be ready for 1 p.m well next thing you know i woke up at 3 p.m and uh, you know i went to my computer, like, like, you know, in a rush. It was 3 p.m. I opened Skype. The guys were calling me. I didn't answer, obviously. And so I just um, sent them a message. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I had a big problem. Can, can we please uh, do the call now? And uh, the guy's answer was, no, sorry. Have a good day. And I was so shocked. Like, it was my opportunity to give, to give this damn TED Talk. And so then it motivated me even more. I said, you know what? I'm going to do something. TEDx talk and I started applying for all TEDx talks that I could find in the internet mm-hmm. and at some point it was this, um, I found this TEDx Marrakech I said well why not and I, I, I applied, I, I applied with a big email with the subject and stuff and they said yes and it was um, it's still organized by a German lady which name I forgot but she organized this every year with Two of her uh, friends, and so yeah, she said yes, and yeah, it, it was one of the best talks that I that I gave, not because of its quality, but uh, in in terms of the feelings that I had, because I was so afraid before uh, going on the stage, and they had um, a blank for five seconds before starting because I couldn't remember my script, and then by the end of the talk, I just had one thing in mind, which was to get back there and keep talking it was It was a very nice uh, experience,
0: and uh, from what I know uh, about uh, TEDx talks, it, it is limited uh, on time, right? It should be exactly uh, with a specific now uh, is it twenty minutes or yes
1: and, and it, it makes it even harder because how would you um, talk about something like blockchain in twenty minutes? It doesn't make yeah. sense, but you know you have to find ways to you know give examples you know the the, the goal of TEDx talks is not to talk about technicalities but to uh, try to make people curious about what you're talking about so they can go find stuff by themselves you know and it's a very nice exercise uh, to try to put your thoughts and condense them in uh, 18 minutes and uh, not be boring and give examples and have stories so
0: I can imagine how much uh, like you have to be prepared really really prepared because like the script you mentioned, it, it means that you have to uh, prepare what you are going to say, etc. Well, the, the,
1: the, this is very interesting because bef- I mean, I had an outline, which is, you know, I was, I'm going to talk about this and that and that. And I didn't write a script back, uh, you know, at the beginning. And I was like, you know, I'm used to go to conferences and, you know, it should be okay. And so the, however... You know the organizers. The organizers are German people, and these people do not joke. And so yeah. they invited us four days before. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they gave me a. It was the first time I get a suite in in, in a hotel. It was wonderful. And so the first day, well, I arrived. I think at three p.m. uh, Get your room and everything. And then they said, "Well, okay, let's do a rehearsal." And I said, "Yeah, no problem." With all the other speakers, and when it was my turn. The the, the the room was empty but it's I think it's 800 people room so it's big and uh, I couldn't say any word like it was a rehearsal there was just the, the organizers in front of me and I couldn't say anything and it was just you know um, saying crap and you know and they felt very bad and I thought I said well these guys should think of that I'm a joke because you know I'm not able to say anything and it, it was very re- it was very um, uh, intimidating mm-hmm. and but the thing is that they know what they're doing they said okay it happens to everyone just go back there and write some script some proper thing and learn it by heart I said well, okay now I know how I should uh, mm-hmm. do this and so yeah I went back and it was a nice hotel that I didn't enjoy much but because I was you know just uh, writing my thing and trying to learn it by heart and You know, it worked out because, well, I think the talk went smoothly. And so, well, one lesson we can get from this is that you can be the best speaker, the best programmer, the best whatever. If you are not prepared, things are going to go bad for you. So when I was working for a consulting company, I was doing a little bit of uh, pre-sales jobs. And, you know, we went to clients trying to convince them that we are the best for their architecture and blah, blah, blah. And I had this manager. He's very nice. Uh, he told me once. He told me, "I, I'm okay if we fail, but I'm not okay if we did not prepare enough. Like if we fail, given the fact that we were 100% prepared, that then it's no, it, it, it's it's not a problem because maybe the other guys were better than us. But if we failed because we didn't prepare ourselves to all the questions, all the edges, and um, uh, like we just didn't give it." 100% of preparation. Then this is a big issue. So yeah. prepare yourself to whatever challenges you face.
0: Uh, yeah, that's uh, totally right. I I remember uh, during uh, many many talks, it wasn't good feeling that after the talk I think that I regret the time that I didn't prepare, <laughs> and I think um, like I prepared at last minute. Sometimes, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. I think that it shouldn't be that way, and it's better to give the time to prepare and to uh, uh, provide a good talk and to be clear. Uh, yeah, exactly. Not to, uh, because most of the time I was spontaneous. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you trust your experience, and we all do that, which is completely fine. But you know, uh, there is a difference between trusting your experience and, as you said, having a clear message. Uh, in what you say and yeah i mean it does it never hurts to properly prepare for talks but you know sometimes it just yeah
0: because,
1: because for example well uh, i know you uh love this guy and I, so do i when you see the talks of john deagles it's just so yeah. smooth that you know well obviously he's way more experienced than we are and uh, everything, but it's it's a matter of preparation as well because yeah. you know when you just listen to one of his talks you it's not. I mean, he's not. Uh, how can I say? Uh, improvising. It's not improvisation. It's it's experience and hard work and preparation. So yeah, that's you know. right.
0: Yeah, and especially um, under the circumstances when you see a lot of people, etc. Even you, you are, you trust that you know what you are going to talk about. I really had that feeling many times that I couldn't find the words. I, I, like I relied on what I know, mm. but at that time I mm. saw a lot of people, and uh, I lose my the words. Like I cannot find. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, especially for us, you know, we are not, I mean, for me, it's way easier to, it in French, but for English, for example, we are not native speakers. We're just, you know, at some point you try to find your voc- vocabulary and you look for words because it's not natural for us, you know. And this means that we need way more preparation then, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So we avoid improvising and stuff, but that's, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm trying uh, to uh, look back. On my twitter i remember i shared something about uh, like the people who try to uh, tear down others i, I couldn't find it mm. uh, and uh we we had some interaction there i'm trying to to find it
1: <laughs> yeah i do remember i don't remember, remember the exact um, words but <clears throat> until you find it i mean i can say something you know you have lots of people who Try to, yeah, as you said, tear you down and sometimes humiliate you and all these kinds of things. And I truly believe that it says way more about them than it says about you. I mean, I have had some of them and I still encounter some of them in my my life. But these guys, I have so much empathy in their regard. I want so hard to help them because they are struggling, really what's your benefit or what benefit you can get from humiliating people or tearing down people? None, yeah. zero, just making people feeling bad. And uh, I'm, I'm so sorry for you if you're like, if, if, if you're like this, because, um, you know, you truly really need help, really. Because, you know, s- s- some people cannot help it. They just feel, or at least they, they think that they feel good. Uh, while tearing people down. And um, yeah, I'm really sorry for them because that's that's, that's so unfortunate, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, I found that it's uh, tearing others down won't get you any higher. And uh, you said it only shows how down you are yourself with those people that I usually apply empathy because they need it. Yeah. I know that we can uh, ignore, like the solution is to ignore, like whatever they say, we shouldn't uh, take it personally. It's more, uh, as you mentioned, it's more, it tells more about them. But sometimes uh, uh, it is dangerous when other people listen to them and become uh, many people against you just because of misinformation. And this can destroy the person. Do you see uh, the point?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Well, um, I think it, uh, it's uh, do, uh, two different subjects because, well, there is people who uh, try to tear you down and I think the best way is to ignore them.
2: Yeah.
1: But um, if you feel... Them, I mean, you can ignore them. I don't do that. I just stand up for myself. And if you even dare to try to do something to me like that you're going to have a bad day there will be consequences so not even try that's all i'm asking you to do Mm -hmm. but sometimes of course you have to um um, you know just yeah ignore the noise even though it's very hard you know when someone says something bad about you you can ignore it all you want it's you know you think about it still at least a little bit yeah Uh, that's that's human nature you know i cannot tell you that i'm fully here um you know uh, i'm fully Uh, isolated from these kinds of comments and stuff but what can you do you know it's 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 you learn to 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 live with that because there's one thing that i learned that changed my life which is that it's very normal and maybe healthy to have enemies that's everyone is not going to like you you will have enemies you will have people who don't like you because of your face sometimes what can you do about it you cannot change your face so fuck them um, you will have people who are not going to like you because of your religion you have people who are not going to like you because of your sex, because of your beliefs, because of your whatever Yeah. what can you do? Just deal with it you're not going to be liked by anyone b- b- by everyone, however try to be surrounded by quality people even though you have like one good friend or two or three you don't have to have many people that yeah. you could, you get along with, that's completely okay and you know, when you learn that it's normal for people to hate you, it's normal to have enemies, then you yeah. just deal with it. And that's that's it. And I think there is, um, it's never a bad idea to stand for yourself. Yeah. Really. Because if you're a coward, if you say yes to everything, if people say bad things to you and you just accept and stuff, uh, it's going to do you a lot of harm in the long term. So. Yeah. You know, just stand up for yourself because if you don't, no one else will do. You know. Yeah,
0: that's right. So,
1: and if you stand up for yourself, and if well, if you are in a position where you see someone hurting someone else, and you can say something, then please do. Uh, that's that's a moral duty. Do talk to the person who has been harassed, or um, you know, if you have the power, just go talk to the person who is harassing or saying bad things to the person because yeah. it doesn't help anyone to have this kind of, of, of attitude. You know, it's the same thing where, you know, uh, you have sometimes girls being harassed in the yeah. public transportation and no one lifts a finger. I said, man, yeah. come on. I mean, um, if it was your mother or your sister or your wife or your um, friend or whatever, yeah. I mean, uh, just stand up for the for for for, for the weak, no matter the circumstances. Yeah. Just do; it always pays off.
0: Yeah, that's right. I remember, like one of the experiences uh, was that I found out some people are, like, it, It's about uh, at work, for example, like it it starts yes. from one person, but then that person spread misinformation. And mm-hmm. many people started hating me without knowing the reason. And it became uh, yeah. like the whole environment. It affects the environment. Um, of course. And I think the best way, I, I mean, yeah, you're right that uh, the person should stand up for themselves. And it is good and better if other people will also support the, the victim. Because it's really like... Uh, yeah it is it, yeah, of it is course. part of humanity mm.
2: also.
1: But then you know when you have this uh, yeah uh, when you have this kind of situations well i think usually that you know it says a lot about the environment which yeah. is a toxic environment and then you just quit because it's not the right exactly. the, the the right environment for you you're not going to change it You you gain nothing from changing it and if, if people are mostly assholes then because you know sometimes um you know when i uh, well now I work mostly remotely but when I was working and mm-hmm. traveled into the office and stuff sometimes some people uh, uh, try to come to me and say oh did you know that uh, this person, this guy, this girl uh, did this and blah 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 and I just told them right away I said how your information is going to be of a benefit for me none, yeah. it's just gossip so I, I, I just don't have the appetite for that if you have um, something valuable to tell me. I mean about something that we can learn or just if you have a joke to tell me I'm so happy to learn about, it. but that's it. I don't want any gossip whatsoever. And well th- this is in one hand. And in the other hand, there's one thing that I think is very toxic in especially in startups today. It's the the the, the culture of feedback. Mm-hmm. This is so annoying because well the cultural feedback is coming to you and saying, we um, you know what, uh, I'm, I want to talk to you for an hour. You say yes. And I'm going to tell you all the bad things that I think about you. Like you're not doing doing a, bad, a good job. I saw that you, uh, you know, opened the PR without really test. What the fuck? It's not serious, blah, 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 blah. And then what the hell? What's the point of all of this? I mean, that's so unhealthy yeah. to just go to people and, tell them all the crap that they did well fine maybe you opened this pr without unit tests because you didn't know what you were doing or it was a uh, an issue that you hated working on and you just wanted to get rid of it or something i don't yeah. know what exactly but and i had this discussion in one of the startups i was uh, working on mm-hmm. i didn't do so many so it's not hard to find out uh, we had this cultural feedback and at some point this guy he went he came to me and he said well i, I want to have this Well, the the, the CTO was promoting this feedback culture and it was like, just go to the person, ask them to go in a meeting room and then tell them your feedback. Mm -hmm. I said, well, okay. I didn't play the game, but someone came to me and he said, you know, know, I want to have this one-on-one feedback session with you if you have time. I said, yes, but I can only go with you in this uh, meeting room if you are going to give only positive feedbacks about me. He said, it's not the point. I said, it's the point for me. I'm not interested in all the crap that you're going to say. If you have something negative to say about me, I'm not interested. I'm only interested in things that would empower me. And it may sound a little bit harsh. um, And it may sound as if I wasn't trusting myself, but it's not the case. It was more of like everything bad that you're going to say about me is going to be subjective anyway. And I'm not interested in your opinion, in your bad opinion about me, because everyone has bad opinions about anyone. And well, yours is not interested to me. So if you have something positive to say about me, then no, no problem. This will just make me have a good day and stuff. And he said, "Well, then we're not going to have to be having this session." I said, "Good for both of us." And the curious thing is that he came to me two days after. He told me, "You know, I." had a few sessions about uh, with people they said crap about me i felt so miserable and you are fucking right let's go do this feedback session and i'm just going to say the f- things that i think are good about you and you do the same and let's grow together and it, uh, it it was a very nice session um you know just telling him about how good i think he was about lots of things and stuff and i think that's what i think about this Feedback culture.
0: And I think it is also a way of communicating. Sometimes we need to inform a person about a feedback. It's a constructive feedback to be able to progress. For example, someone doesn't notice the structure of the branch name in the company. For example, they have a specific naming and they always doesn't do that and they did because they didn't know so empathy also we should understand them they didn't Mm. know they didn't and then we try to make that clear maybe saying in general that we name branch this way and uh, etc as an information or uh, like it's always challenging also to give a constructive feedback
1: well, it, it depends on, uh, I think it depends on uh, the the whole attitude. Yeah. Because if you are in normal uh, interactions harsh with the person, of course, if you tell him or her that your branch is uh, misnamed, then they are going to, uh, you know, feel bad about it.
0: Defensive also sometimes. Yeah,
1: exactly. However, if your if you're, uh, general attitude is kindness yeah. and people look out to you, and you know and the difference between someone kind and open and welcoming is is you know you see it from miles it's i mean it's, it's not very hard to see yeah, true. when people are open you know if you are harsh and stuff then you know we are going to make people uncomfortable anyway so
0: yeah that's true yeah. and uh i think uh we are ready to wrap up if you have an advice you would like to share with uh, people who start their journey or also who are having some challenges
1: well i don't usually like to give advice because well i mean yeah we all need them but yeah for the for the people who are starting their journey i would say don't give up on what you think is right even though you like experience, you like it because there's something very interesting is that, that you can read all the books you want. There is something which called, which is called experience, which only comes with time. You cannot help it. It's come, it comes with time. You can read in a book that doing this is bad, but when you have experience with it, it's way more powerful. And so give yourself time. It's okay. If you don't know things, just try to learn on a daily basis. I mean, constantly, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know it's okay to fail it's okay to fail interviews it's okay to apply a thousand times and don't find anything that's completely okay and you know it doesn't say nothing bad about you it's just the way things they are and I think the difference between people there it's that some quit and some do not and so and and those who do not quit at some point they find their way. you know it's cliche to say that don't quit but I think it's so true that just continue applying, continue working on yourself and things are going to be good for you without you even noticing them. So that's the thing. And for people, in I mean, yeah, especially in the workplace, uh, we need, I think, more people who stand up for themselves and who stand up for others. This is very very important because if when you do other people are going to stand up and you know it will create this peaceful environment that everyone will be more than happy to live in and I think lots of problems would be solved by people having courage to stand up for themselves and for others
0: so I think also it's part of the responsibility if someone value kindness and honesty and uh, empathy they make sure that everyone is treated equally and they uh they are safe etc and once they see any thing that uh if they see there is harassment happening or uh, any situation they stand up uh, uh for uh, the victim and uh make sure that the environment is safe
2: yeah
1: yeah, exactly, because it's, it, I mean, it's just human nature, you know, when you can say something to help someone in need, please just do yeah. it, just do it, because, I mean, uh, come on, it doesn't cost you anything, and it's just going to help someone in need, so why wouldn't you do it? And it I promise you, it makes you feel so good.
2: Yeah.
1: There is this guy, this, um, uh, it was Denzel Washington, he said that the most selfish thing in the world is to help someone else. Why is it selfish? It's because the way that you feel after helping someone makes you so good that nothing can buy it. No money, no houses, no anything. Yeah. And so, you know.
0: This is very true. I really, I get excited when I feel someone was happy because an action from me. Mm -hmm. And then I I wonder this, it feels selfish because, oh, like I feel happy. It's it's like yes yeah
1: and good for you it it's it's good for you it's selfish well good but it's selfish and it helps someone else so yeah you know it's a win-win situation at its finest so
0: yeah that's true thanks for the valuable advice oh you're welcome i enjoyed our conversation
1: (laughs) me too a lot (laughs) thank you yeah
0: thanks for your time
1: thank you very much and talk to you very soon
0: my friends I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you are still looking for a job or you just started your journey, I encourage you, like Ayub mentioned, to keep going. Even it is hard, but keep going. Don't give up. You are not alone. Many people like you have faced different struggles, but at the end they made it because they didn't give up. And like the difference between successful people is that they go through challenges, they failed a lot, at the end, they didn't give up, so they became successful. Be like them and I wish you all the best. I'm looking forward to our next episode with a new guest and new inspiring story. Until then, stay safe and stay tuned to our next episode. Tic-tac, take, tackle take, take the inspiration. <laughs>